the 123rd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams, front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. And um, I know we talked to you earlier today. We were breaking down R.J. Davis's decision to come back for Carolina. And now we are back to break down Caleb Love's decision to, to return for his junior season. Since we're doing two pods in one day, this one will not have a pod thought of the day, but I do want to remind you guys that we are still powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Um, and Anthony, as we, we talked about earlier today, we were breaking down and giving our official predictions for Caleb Love's decision um, to either come to come back to school or, or go go off and, and play professionally uh, and pro- to play professional basketball. We understood that what he did the last month and a half of the year, there'd be a reason to maybe go pro because his stock was really, really high. But like with the other guys, um, that pool to come back and finish the job that they started in the, in the NCAA tournament was was too much for him to, to pass up and a chance to come back and win a national championship. And for a guy like him, really etch his name into Carolina basketball lore with the stuff he did individually this year, mainly that shot against Duke in the Final Four where he's already in Carolina basketball lore. But um, as he alluded to in his video, which another video announcing his return, another great job by the social media department. Um, a lot more highlight based to start. A great song, but um, he he tied his blue Jordans and said, "I'm back." And that's that was the biggest thing for Carolina. We knew going into the off season it was going to be Baycott and Love, kind of one A, one B. They were the two most important guys for Carolina to get back for next season. And um, Love, who was second on the team in scoring at nearly 16 points per game. Averaged over three rebounds and over three assists, all while shooting 37% from the field, 36% from three, and 86% from the foul line, was going to be a big part of that. And he becomes the fourth and final member um, of Carolina's Iron Five that was eligible to return for this season to return. And and it's it's a big one because this now solidifies um, Carolina's – kind of their, their starting lineup outside of one guy going into the next season and kind of just sets the tone for what we've kind of labeled since the, the, the national title loss to Kansas roughly three weeks ago, Redemption Tour Part 2 for Carolina basketball. Yeah, no, this is going to be a beautiful sequel. I think it'll it'll probably rank up there with uh, 
some of our favorites if they're able to complete it. Um, but yeah, this was what we were hoping for. And we started talking about this the minute after that national championship game went final because, you know, you saw the images. And, and that's not the image of guys that look like they want to leave. And my favorite part is that you're going to hear these morons that are mostly Duke fans that are going to say, well, they're coming back because they really don't have any choice. Um, Caleb Love probably would have been drafted higher than Frank Jackson, who's a bum and doesn't do anything in the NBA, um, or DJ Stewart, who didn't even get drafted because Coach K failed at coaching him. Um, so I, I, I think this was – these moves, you know, especially for Love – this was a move of a guy that wanted to come back. Yeah. Wanted to go and win a championship. And again, you know, we said it at the end of the season. It is amazing how the emotions turned and the feelings around him turned as the season went along. Mm-hmm. This was a guy that went from being someone that every single night that he was out there, we were questioning whether he wanted to be out there. Yeah. Was he just trying to find his way to the NBA level? But again, we talked about it earlier this morning when we talked about RJ Davis. I think that move to have RJ be the primary ball handler and move him off ball really just changed everything for him, changed his whole outlook. And look, is he still a guy that probably has to get to a point where he can shoot the ball better, more consistently at a high rate? Yes. I, I think that's that's the area of his game that he's got to work on the most. But this is still a guy that down the stretch of the season played about as hard as anybody on this Star Hill team could have played. And, and remember – he hit one of the biggest shots, maybe in Carolina history. Mm-hmm. Not even talking about the in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that shot against Syracuse. If they don't make that shot, even if they beat Duke, I mean, I, they they probably still get into the tournament. But we're talking about a whole different feeling around this team, and we're talking about a whole different draw. Well, so, I mean, that what he did. You know, that second half of that game and in that overtime period, he willed Carolina to a win. And a game that Carolina at the at the point in at the time in the season had to have. They were one bad loss away from being done. And that uh, potential home loss to Syracuse uh, could have been the nail in the coffin. And when we go back and we look back at the season, we 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 put a lot of emphasis on what they did at Duke, but it all kind of started in that overtime period against Syracuse with this team led by him finding another way to to win a game. And, you know, you're right. This was a guy that um, in the middle of February, you and I both publicly questioned him, um, both on the podcast and on our social media platforms. I'm not going to walk back my criticism because at the time it was it was deserved because his level of play wasn't where it needed to be. And this is a kid who openly admitted after – a road loss at Notre Dame, he didn't play very hard in the first half. Um, and, and so he kind of had to learn the hard way, as Huber Davis told us time and time again throughout the season, that we got to bring it for 40 minutes. And once he and the other five guys of this team bought into that mindset, knowing that they're going to be on the court for nearly 40, 40 minutes as it is, it was a night and day scenario for this team. And, you know, we, we all fell in love with them. And, you know, we walked out of that Smith Center 
that Monday night, and obviously we were disappointed because you, you you blew the biggest lead in the history of the national title game. Come on, man. I definitely didn't put on my social media page on Twitter, uh, which if you want if you want more gems like this one, make sure to follow me at HTB Anthony, him at HTB Josh. Uh, I definitely didn't put that uh, this may have been worse than 16. That wasn't. Yeah. I did, I did not put that on. So, you know, I think, you know, we – I know you and I, we walked out together, and I knew right then and there they all had to come back because there's there's unfinished business. And look – It's the way they lost too. Like I feel like if, if – let's say Kansas controlled that whole game and you just kind of got beat. You kind of wonder if it is, but but the fact that you felt like at halftime we've got a title, yeah, and dude, I could see the banner. Going. I could see them unveiling the banner. We were actually looking up and saying, "How are they going to put the eighth banner up here?" Yeah, they're going to have to call my guy to extend the rod out. I mean, now they've got now they've got a whole year to figure it out. But I I think that played a really big roll into this. And I think the other thing was, I think this team as a whole, but especially Caleb Love, I think as the season got went along, not only did he grow closer to his teammates, I thought he grew closer to Hubert Davis. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the big things about this team is that they started to believe more and more in Hubert. They bought into what he you know, was was talking about from the start of the year, which is bringing that energy, effort, and toughness every single night. Yeah. And once everybody brought, bought in, especially Caleb, I feel like that was kind of what turned the tables. And I think they, they all realize, and Caleb realizes, that, look, if we bring that effort for 40, you know, 30-something-odd <laughs> games, then you're probably going to be able to cut down those nets because – you take a look around at the rest of the country right now, you're saying, okay, well, we're bringing everybody back. A lot of guys are entering the draft. So I definitely feel like this team looks at themselves right now and says, we we are more than capable of getting this done next year if we bring everybody back, and now we're in that position. And, I mean, you know, I've, I've made this analogy a couple times since the season ended. Usually for us to experience ultimate triumph, we have to go through heartbreak. In 82, you lost the year before in 81. In 93, you lost in the Final Four in, in 91. Um, in 05, you went from the top of the college basketball world for 35 to 40 years to an 8-20 season. And you got restored in, in two years by a Hall of Famer and Roy Williams. 09, you had the embarrassment of 08 where you were down 40-12 to 12 to Kansas came back, cut the lead to two. If Danny Green makes a three, who knows what happens, but that didn't happen, and you got ran out of the gym again. And then then in 17, you came back after losing the 16th final on the final shot of the game. Um, and so now Carolina, back in the final four in, t- in 2022, but you lose and you do it in a fashion where you blew the largest lead in the history of the title game. So these things usually work themselves out for Carolina. 
Um, and that's what the goal will be next year. We're going to talk about expectations now a little bit later in the show. Um, since you and I both predicted him to come back, we're, no, we're both not surprised by this decision because that pool to come back was going to be there from the beginning. Um, he was the most visible guy on the court immediately following the, the final horn of the, of the title game. Um, and, and, look, he waited as long as he did because he knew – he look, he had the fan base waiting and waiting. So this was a kid playing into the moment, which kudos to him. He's uh, he's got he has he has every right to do that. Um, and it was also probably a, a play by the program, just from a social media and stuff like that standpoint. To hey, let's draw this out and let's have some fun with it. And that's that's well, a- and and look, I think also this was a difficult decision for him. Well, let's not downplay that this dude did enough in the tournament where he was probably on the edge of being a first round prospect Mm -hmm. so i do think there there was probably a little bit of time that he thought it out but i think you know we saw yesterday rj released his video so maybe that was the plan you release your video first i'll be right behind you second because yeah clearly he wasn't going to announce before rj he wanted to be the guy that closed yep. the door because who who started it off? Armando starts it off, and you finish with Caleb. Those two guys that, as we talked about, you really needed. They bookend this group coming back. So you know, we'll take a look at what does this mean for the rest of the roster this offseason. And and for right now, Carolina's roster is set. You're still right now at your scholarship limit because we still don't have an answer on whether Leaky Black is going to to count as a scholarship or not. This past this past season, players using their COVID year, they were not counted as scholarship players. You would imagine that would continue, but this is the NCAA. You just quite never know what they're going to do. But um, it looks like Carolina has its has its roster as of right now. You've got your four starters back: Love, Davis, uh, Leaky Black, and Armando Baycott. You got to figure out who that that guy is going to step in the lineup for Brady Manick, Whether it's Puck Johnson, whether it's Dontres Styles. Um, you know, there's there are of course rumors out there circulating that Kerwin Walton. May, may seek a transfer now that Caleb Love is back, and that's going to take away potential playing time for him. Um, and then, you know, DeMarco Dunn entering his second year. Dustin McCoy will be back as, as, as of right now for next season. Then you bring in a, a freshman class that's, that's talented, and it's deep because you're bringing in four freshmen. Will Shaver, who joined the team this past, uh, this past January um, as a redshirt freshman, you got Jalen Washington coming in, a guy who's coming off another knee injury, but if he can get healthy, he's going to be a big-time player. Mm-hmm. Then you got Seth Trimble, a great combo guard, um, and Tyler Nickel, a guy that we've seen plenty of videos of the last week and a half or so. Guys that can put he can put the ball in the, in, in the basket at a really high rate, a really great perimeter shooter. So um, as of right now. Carolina can't go into the portal to add a guy or two um, unless they deem Leaky Black a non-scholarship player or another guy transfers out to join Garcia and Anthony Harris as transfers. But it does look like on paper Carolina has a roster more than capable of competing for not just ACC championships but another berth in the Final Four and a national title. I mean, look, this is a roster that I feel like we kind of talked about. it. You could probably feel a little more confident that they will – have the depth this year. Um, one of my favorite things that is kind of being talked about throughout the it, – it's it's the college basketball community mainly. But I feel like Toriel fans are, are kind of worried about it too, is 
that this is really not that talented of a class that Carolina is bringing in. Remember that Jalen Washington at one time was a five-star player. Mm -hmm. He ended up hurting his knee. And look, it is concerning because we've been here before with guys that were extremely talented players. They hurt their their knee in particular, but just get hurt in general um, their senior years, and they're never really the same. Um, I, I don't know if that's the case with him. Every guy is different, so you'll have to just wait and see. But the talent is there for him. You've got a guy in Seth Trimble that has kind of been trending up uh, throughout the last couple of years. And look, this year proved that even though you know it is it, he is a you know combo guard like we saw with R.J. Davis and like we saw with Caleb Love. You know, Hubert is a guy that is able to sort of figure out pretty quickly where these guys fit best. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to help him. He doesn't have to start right out of the gate either. Like a a lot of the recent true freshman point guards that Carolina has brought in. Um, And I think, you know, there's there's a group of guys that were there this year. Look, if Kerwin comes back, um, then great, because I think there is a chance that maybe he uses this as extra motivation and that can propel him forward. But I think you're going to see jumps from Puff Johnson. You're going to see a, a jump from Dontre Styles. Um, and, and I think overall, this is this is a, a roster that I, sitting here right now looks to me like it is capable of winning a championship. Yep. And that's where you want to be at at this point. Yep, man. I mean, look, that's that's where we're going to go next. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to play you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then we come back, we're talking early expectations for the 2022-23 season. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. The NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. That stands for the Basketball Podcasting Network. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the NBA playoffs, and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers. I've been giving you on the four corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast side of things. And as we talk about expectations, clearly these would have been altered had one of the core four not come back. Even if that, even if that would have been R.J. Davis, expectations would be different. But this is a team that's returning four starters from its starting five from a national championship game appearance. 
Um, and on that way to making the title game, you you took down the number one seed, the defending national champion. You took down a four-seed UCLA team that last year made the Final Four. And as we talked about during the tournament, was a misseeded team, and they shouldn't have been a four-seed. You also beat Duke on your way to the uh, to the national title game. And then you played Kansas, a team that you and I both picked to win the title in the preseason. That stayed true when we got the bracket. We were proven right, unfortunately. But um, Carolina did, a, did accomplish a lot on their way to the Final Four and the title game, despite being an eight seed. This wasn't a fluke run. They earned their way to, to, to be as close as they were to winning a national championship. And you bring four of those starters back. You bring back your two key guys off the bench, a part of that run. And you're bringing in four talented freshmen expectations are are going to be rather high in and around Chapel Hill as they always are but um, especially more so this year for a team that was that close to winning a national championship so when we're talking expectations for next season we'll, we'll start with the first one that uh, means a lot to me in the regular season as much as any Tar Heel fan. And look, Carolina's going to enter the season as a preseason top five team. They they, they should be at least the number one or number two team in the country. They're going to be the, the pick to win the ACC. They're going to be a trendy pick to make the Final Four. And as John Rothstein tweeted out um, last night when R.J. Davis announced he was coming back, he thinks the national title starts and ends with the team at Chapel Hill. Is the early expectation for us to be that this team wins an ACC regular season championship or they bust? Yeah, I mean, it, you're you're bringing all these guys back for for one reason, um, and that's to win and win as off as, as much as you can. So, yeah, I, I think I think you're probably you're probably at that point, and that's you know I, I think that's something that. A lot of fans are probably still going to have a, a tough time doing because they remember that, hey, just a couple of years ago, we were talking about what is the direction of this program. But at the same time, I think it's about the guys that are coming back. It's not about – put it this way. If they don't win a title, that's not a bad reflection on Hubert Davis. Mm -hmm. As a second-year coach trying to win a national title after an unbelievable run his first time as a head coach. So I I think it's just – yeah, it's yes, but it's because of the guys that are coming back. That's, that is going to be their goal from that first practice. Well, and I mean, look, this is a team that – Went fifteen and five in the ACC this this last year, and you know when we were entering the tournament, the whole notion was the ACC's having a down year. Well, they had three of the final teams, uh, three of the final eight teams playing in the tournament. They had two in the final four, and they had one in the final. The ACC wasn't as bad as it was made out to be. Those fifteen wins, the second most ever by Carolina basketball in the regular season, only trailing when the team went sixteen and two in two thousand nineteen. Um, when they tied for Virginia for the, the the conference title, and look, Armando Baycott said as much as he's accomplished individually, he still hasn't won an ACC championship, and that's a that's a part of the goal. And I've always thought that if if Carolina is going to cut down the nets and they're going to win a national championship, you have you if if you win the ACC, it puts you in that conversation. 
I know the right. ACC hasn't been as deep as the Big 12 has been or as, as competitive as the Big 10 has been. But it's proven more often than not in the in the NCAA tournament, they can still flex their muscle and they can still play with the big boys. And I think that's going to reign true next year. So, yeah. And, and again, it I, it it's the regular season title. Now. Yes. I don't because, value what you do in the ACC tournament. Well, here's the thing. And I think it showed again this year. Is it the greatest thing to win your conference tournament? I mean, I know, look, that 16 team won the conference tournament, made the run all the way to the final Monday. Then that but team look at, needed that. Right. But look at the team that won the ACC tournament this year. They mm -hmm. were dead by the time that they got to the tournament. So we've seen that a few times. Like, I mean, they were. That team, <laughs> that team was just so exhausted mm -hmm. from everything that they put into that run. And look, Virginia Tech needed that because they weren't going to make the tournament. Exactly. But, you know, they got there. A lot of people were that they were a trendy pick to make a run, and they didn't. So it's it's about winning that ACC. And to me, yeah, I think it's national title or bust. So, yes, in my mind, with the fact that Duke is losing as much as they are, and look, I don't give a damn about how many great freshmen are coming in. It's time to it's, – it's time to – Take that narrative and throw it out the window. We've said that how many consecutive years in a row, and this team coming back for Carolina should be a preseason favorite over them, and I think should have the expectations of beating them. And outside of that, I mean, who else are we really looking at? Look, I think that there are going to be some good teams in this conference. Like, I will, I will say this. I would be absolutely stunned if Florida State misses the yeah. NCAA tournament again. I think that team's going to be really good. I think Steve Forbes is going to – he loses a lot, but I think he's going to find a way to piece together a roster, and I think he's going to keep them trending in the right direction. Um, and and I, I think Mike Bray's a good enough coach where it looks like Notre Dame's probably got themselves back on track a little bit. But my thing is, is are there really that many significant challengers to Carolina in the ACC right now? I, I think this is a team that's more than capable of winning 16, 17 games in the ACC. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's going to be a, a goal, and it's going to be an expectation. The next expectation we have to talk about is it Final Four or, or bust for, for Carolina. And, you know, the people that are longtime listeners that have followed what I have to say – well, don't you say that every year, Josh? That is true. I do think when you've gone to 21 Final Fours, which are the most in college basketball, yes, it's Final Four or bust. But especially with this group, you can't you can't return everybody and then not make the Final Four and try to make the season out to be a success. You just can't. I mean, like, look what's going to happen at UCLA this year. They brought virtually everybody back. Um, now, granted, injuries played a part in their ultimate demise in the Sweet 16, but do you think they're happy about what happened in Westwood with bringing everybody back and being a top-five team? No. Well, same thing is going to be applied here for Carolina. Um, it's not going to be – like, you know, it, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, you know, unless something happens, whether an injury or something that really, do, you know, makes that unfeasible. If you're healthy entering March, you're most likely going to be a, a you know, a one or a two seed in the NCAA tournament. And look, we know the tournament's getting crazier and crazier every year right. and upsets are happening more often than not. The, the, goal, the, the expectations are going to be you make it to Houston. And so, yes, yes, they, they, they are entering next year. Hey, and even with, with an injury, here's my thing. Might want one heading into the uh, to the tournament. Just one of those guys, maybe not missing time, 
Maybe one of your guards a little banged up. Got to figure out, is he going to be able to be 100%? Because that's it's the weirdest thing. Now that seems to be a part of the recipe here for the last two title runs. So, um, But, yeah, I, I don't I don't see how you can't have those expectations because I'm with you. I said it just a minute ago. You're bringing these guys back to do one thing. Yeah. We just talked about the ACC. Look, man, that'd be great, but that's not going to mean anything if you don't get – at least to the final four, but I think it's 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 championship or bust. And, yeah. and, and my thing also is though, I mean, depending on 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 how the season plays out, if they get to another final four and they lose, and we go back and reflect a, a couple of weeks after, I still think we'll probably be like. Well, this is this is pretty good because of the progress that that group made yeah. overall. But it, when you look at this from just this season in particular, these guys did not come back just to make it to the Final Four. They've been there. They've had that experience. Mm-hmm. They're coming back to win a national championship. Which is why when I think about this team, and I'm with you, I think when you bring back four starters that were in the national title game, you bring back two pieces off your bench, and you add in four freshmen. And look, I texted um, our P1. We have a group chat. I asked him, and he said, no, it feels more like Final Four or bust, but did add in there. If the the freshmen come in and play, maybe that does elevate your expectations to national title or bust. This team feels more like 09 than 17 because 09, you returned virtually everybody back. Um, and 17, yeah, you brought back you brought back Joel Berry. You brought back Theo Pinson. You brought back Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks. But you also lost Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, two of the greatest leaders the, the basketball program had seen at, the, at, at that point in juncture. And you didn't really know. We didn't enter that year. Final Four or national title or bust. Winner that year, second weekend of the tournament or bust. Um, I never thought about the national title until they won Maui. That's the first time I ever allowed myself to think this team could win a national championship. Then when you win the ACC regular season like that team did, then you even more believe that, okay, this team can and win a national championship. Of course, when they got the one seed in the tournament, and you got the draw. Then when you when you got determined, it was then one mission. You were, there was you're going back to finish the job and win a national title. But we didn't enter that. We would call it the redemption tour. But no one really entered the year thinking this team could win a national championship. This team though, you're bringing back four starters. Um, a guy who just set the record, tied the record for most double doubles in a single season in the history of Carolina basketball, uh, and in the history of college basketball with with David Robinson. You're bringing back two guards that really took that next step. You're bringing back the best perimeter defender in college basketball. No, you're not coming back to just go to another Final Four to go play in another national title game. You're coming back to win the damn thing. Yeah, and and I think. You know, what's interesting is I think that this team is kind of a combination of that 9 17 team. Because mm-hmm. I think you're bringing back four extremely important pieces. 9 you brought back literally every important piece. <laughs> you know, they they did lose a, a piece, but that was Marcus Ginyard, the injury. That wasn't because he left. That team literally brought back every player that they could. Now, 
I will say that it is similar in the fact that you bring back all these stars, and there were people that did think that those guys could leave. The 17 team, yeah, you lost significant pieces, and this team loses a significant piece in Brady Manning. So I think this is kind of a team that's in the middle of those two, but, and that's why I think maybe RP1 is saying, hey man, this is Final Four, because you said second weekend of the tournament, so Sweet 16 yep. or bust. And 09 was national title or bust. So he's saying this is kind of in the middle. Maybe it's final four or bust. I get that. My thing is, is that I feel like for these guys, in their mind. They came back with a national championship. They came back to win a title. There is a specific motivation for them. And to a certain extent, I think there was that element to some of the guys in 17. I believe that's what Joel Berry thought when he came back. I believe that's what Justin Jackson thought when he came back. And that's probably the one that you look at on that team and said, that guy could have gone pro. He came back to win that title. Yeah. Um, but still, I think I, to me sitting here today, I look at this and say, this feels like the best team in the country right now on paper. So this needs to be national title or bust. Or at least that's the mindset that I feel like the players should be taking into this season. And that's the mindset that I'm going to take as well. But again, if they fall short, depending on how things play out, I'm not saying that I'm going to be utterly disappointed and be like, this team is just terrible. No, this is 9 If that team would have fallen short, failure. that was a complete failure. Yep. Because that team was so just so damn stacked. This team is pretty stacked. But, yes, there is that concern of what do you do to fill the shoes of Brady Manning. Yeah, and, I mean, I think the thing about this is is that, you know, well, aren't you putting too much emphasis and too much pressure on a second-year head coach? Didn't Hubert Davis just prove to us he's more than up to the task to guide this program to where this program is supposed to be? And I just said it. I don't think that this has any reflection – on Hubert Davis. If he wins this title, or if he doesn't win a title. We're not going to think less of him because he didn't win a national championship. No. Oh, God, no. I'm going to be, I mean, depending on how far he goes, it's it's an amazing start. If he gets to -to back-to-back Final Fours to begin his head coaching career, Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be unbelievable. So, there is, in my mind, again, it is not, there should be no pressure on Hubert Davis. I think the pressure, and look, if you're saying, well, can they handle the pressure? Guys, how much pressure they have on them in that Final Four? And don't tell me, well, Duke had all the pressure. No, they did not. No, that was a pressure-filled moment. For everybody. Because you were playing in the biggest game in the history of the rivalry. And they, in the Final Four. And, Final Four provides its own pressure. So, you d- d- come on. This team has faced pressure before, and they've adjusted to it. So, yes. And in their mind... I don't think they're going to see it as pressure. They see it as a goal. This Heading into this past year, look, man, Hubert said what he said in that preseason press conference, and there were some people that laughed. And you took it seriously, which in the end actually ended up working out. But to bring him right back down to earth, you did say midseason that you were questioning. 
everything that was I'm still going to issue my apology to Hubert Davis. That's all right. But I, I think that now they truly believe that this is attainable and that that is a goal that they can attain. So to me, I don't think there's going to be a ton of pressure. Well, and there's you know, that old cliche saying pressure is a privilege. And look, it's a privilege to play here. It's a privilege to, to put on that uniform and, and represent what Carolina basketball is and what it stands for. And so now you've got the pressure of, of building off of what you did this past season where you've won over all of our hearts. This fan base fell in love with you. This fan base, in a lot of different ways, re-fell in love with Carolina basketball because the last couple of years, because of COVID and because of more losing than we're used to, they were rough, and you lose your Hall of Fame head coach to retirement. But you reminded us all why we're here. And the main reason why we're here is to win games and to win championships and, and keep on winning them. They've got a chance to do that now with Caleb Love back in the fold. So that's going to wrap up this edition of the show. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to get over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest um, on, on Caleb Love's decision to return for his junior season. Go back and check out R.J. Davis's decision to return, as well as we had you up to, up to date with all the news coming out from Carolina basketball. We'll have you covered for Gigi Jackson's commitment this week. Football side of things during the offseason as well. You can go back and check out all the latest from the spring game as Anthony broke down. Spring camp as well. Spring standouts. I have an article yep. on there about the guys that stood out for the uh, entire game. So you can catch all that up. And, of course, we'll have some recruiting stuff as well for football as both programs are uh, squarely back in offseason mode. As for the podcast, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. You can review the pod there. But most importantly, we encourage you guys, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the off season. That's going to wrap up this edition of the pod. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me again. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.